ChoosCast is part of the Fire and Water Network. Listen, I want you to sit down and settle this, or else. We'll do it. Carl. Do it. <laughs> Can you use this table? Oh, you mean here? Uh, no, no. You know, I was thinking more along the line, you go out, you know, at one of your homes or a coffee shop uh, down by the docks, maybe? Sam, we'll lock up. Don't worry about it. Now is the time. This is the place. Unchecked rage is like a festering wound. Laughs plenty tonight. <laughs> Do you expect me to leave the two of you down here with, uh, without a referee? Come on, what could happen, huh? Oh, nothing, uh, nothing. Two women left alone who hate each other in a room filled with glass and alcohol. Silly. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? another episode of Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly, and I am joined once again by a returning guest from the Atomic Junk Shop. Please welcome back Mr. John Trumbull. What's up, John? Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me back again. Am, am I the first guy who's who's done a repeat appearance on the show? Uh, no, because of the weird recording situation, you'll, you'll actually be the third returning guest. Uh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I know. Well, I feel... Slightly less special now. <laughs> no, no, but um, but yeah. For those of you listening, you remember John was uh, my guest back on episode two. Which peeling back the curtain a little bit uh, at the time of this recording, episode two has not dropped yet. So John hasn't heard all of the horrible flatulent sound effects that I've added in post production to that conversation. <laughs> I mean, I just took that as a given. Yeah, <laughs> you know my style so well. Right. But yeah, seriously, uh, it is great to have you back. Uh, and since, you, of course, you have been here on the show before, we don't need to get into your Cheers origin, so let us just dive right into the episode, which is Season 1, Episode 8, titled Truce or Consequences. Uh, the episode was written by Ken Levine and David Isaacs, directed, of course, by James Burroughs. The original air date was Thursday, November 18th, 1982. To resolve their animosity, which borders on open hostility, Diane and Carla stay in the bar after hours to talk over drinks. Carla whips up a powerful cocktail called Leap Into an Open Grave that gets Diane so drunk that she passes out. But not before Carla tells her a secret, that Sam is really the father of her son Gino, the result of a one-night stand five years ago when Sam was still drinking. The next day at work, Diane is unable to hide her disgust for Sam until she learns the big secret was all a lie. 
The only thing that can resolve Diane's anger toward Carla now is a hilarious picture of Gino and an even more hilarious picture of his real father. So, yeah, that in a nutshell is the the plot. Probably the shortest summary recap I've done for one of these episodes. That was really succinct. I'm impressed. But, uh, you know, I was watching this. There isn't really a subplot. There are no, like, side things, everything. It's it's really That's true. It's That's really true. kind of a, a tighter episode. Um, and actually, like, the first note that uh, – the first kind of notes that I was going to get into was the teaser – uh, is pretty brief, and Batista didn't mention it. We get Coach, it's closing time, he's, you know, volunteering to take somebody home, and, you know, Coach, Norman, or sorry, Cliff and Norm and another guy named Jack, they're all like, yeah, you don't have to take us home, we're all sober enough to drive. And he's like, I don't know how to drive home from the bar, I've never done that before. He can't right, find his right. directions. So Norm volunteers to let him drive him to the bus station, so he can ride a bus back to get his car then. So that's the, the teaser wraps up that way, and then we launch right into Act 1, uh, Carla and Diane picking up, and Sam is the only one there. It's like immediately just minutes after, after the bar clears out. But Act 1 yeah. is pretty much just a short little one-act play with three characters, and Sam is only there to bookend the beginning and the end. For most yeah. of the first chunk, it's just a scene between Diane and Carla. What did you think of that? I really enjoyed it. It's It's really fun to, like be like delving into their characters mm -hmm. more and you, you find out more like what they're about. And I, and I appreciate that, that, uh, Levine and Isaacs got past the sort of, uh, the more facile characterization of just like, oh, they dislike each other and they insult each other a lot. Right. Um, you know, you find out a little more about what makes both Diane and Carla tick mm -hmm. and, uh, it, it, it's really cool. And you, and you develop a bit, bit more sympathy for both of them. So, uh, I enjoyed that. You know, I, I really like the early episodes of sitcoms because you see them trying a lot of stuff and seeing what works. And, you know, it's it's nice because they, they haven't really figure, figured out the formula yet. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, this is to the extent that Cheers has a formula at this point. It's breaking the formula a bit. Like you said, there's there's no B plot and it's just more of a character piece. It really is. And I think that it works because. You know, we're eight episodes in, and I think up to this point, I would say Carla has been the weak part of the show in terms of the mm -hmm. cast. And it's nothing against Rhea Perlman. It's just that the way they were writing her, the way she was acting, just something felt a little bit off. And maybe that's because when you look at who her character ends up being over 11 seasons, the Carla in the beginning is way overblown. She is way too animated, too loud, too energetic. Mm. I made the point, talking about the last Carla-centric episode, the Tortelli Tort, that it seems like this is a Carla that still has a little bit of hope in her life, uh, a little bit of optimism mm. about where where her life might go, that her dreams haven't been completely shattered, whereas mm -hmm. by a few seasons later, we will see, no, she has no illusions about that anymore. Um, so... I, I do I do think that she has been sort of the the rough patch in some of these early episodes where, you know, you still see them figuring a little bit about Norm and, and you know, Cliff is still kind of like formulating and everything. But a lot of the show is really solid right from the get go. Mm -hmm. But but just because of the, the fact that it was Carla, I mean, I'll I'll admit when I knew that this was a Carla centric episode, kind of forgetting about what the plot was. I, in preparation for this one, I was like, oh, man, I'm not so sure if I'm going to like this one. And then watching it, I was like, no, this is the turning point. This is when they finally crack who Carla is. 
and the right sort of register to play her as. Uh, and I do credit oh, the writers because I do credit the writers because I think, you know, we, we've seen the, obviously the Charles brothers Glenn, who created the show, Glenn and Les, they knew the characters fairly well. And I think second to mm-hmm. them, the next best writing team on the show up to this point has been David Isaacs and Ken Levine, who were producers on the show. Mm-hmm. So obviously, I think yeah. they, they did have a better handle on what the show was supposed to be and who these characters were. So I definitely think when they write, and at this point, I think they've now written three episodes in a row, and they really seem to have the ear for them. And I, yeah, I would argue that this is the first time Carla starts to feel and sound like the Carla we're going to know and love. So I, I think they cracked it in this one. See, that's I, I find that really interesting because I wasn't really taking it as like, you know, the early Carla and this was a turning point for her. I, I guess I was sort of bringing my conceptions of Carla from what we learn in later episodes back to this one. So it's really interesting to hear that, that you didn't uh, care for the character as much before this episode. No, and again, it sort of goes back to the early episodes and really the the episode three, the Tortelli Tort, was the last one that really put the spotlight on her. And she was mm-hmm. she was kind of obnoxious and hard to like in a lot of that episode. Um, yeah. But here, I think she's terrific. I, I think she hits the right note of cynicism and sarcasm. Her abrasiveness with Diane is not kind of like a screeching or anything like that it's just it's yeah. it's more of that kind of like bitterness uh and the joke that she plays on Diane is so cruel that it just seems like yeah that's the carla we know you know it's it's interesting that both shelly long and rhea perlman they're playing characters who initially may be tough to sympathize with or that mm-hmm. viewers may find abrasive or annoying because you know diane is kind of a know-it-all. Yeah, she's um, a smug elitist. You know, yeah, in some yeah. ways even more so than Cliff. Mm-hmm. And Carla, of course, the very definition of her character is abrasiveness. I mean, <laughs> that's that's what she does in most episodes is she just delivers, she swoops in, she delivers a cutting remark, and then she swoops off. I mean, that's what she really has to do is where she's not the focus or she doesn't have a subplot. So, so yeah, it's interesting to like get into these characters more and find out more what makes them tick. And by the end of it, you understand both of them a little better than you did before. Yeah. And again, I, I can't help but wonder if that wasn't Levine and Isaac's intention for this episode, because mm-hmm. just looking at the structure and, and how, you know, up to this point, we've seen Sam and Diane private scenes when it's just the two of them having a dialogue, whether it's in the office or it's back in the pool room. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we've seen a couple of times like that. And I guess uh, the coach had a scene with his daughter in episode six. But this is really the first time that Carla gets one of those scenes. And it's a long one. It's, you know, it's like almost 10 minutes of just her and Diane back and forth. And we really, we, we see more about it. We get this family history with, first of all, the, the drink, the concoction, this family recipe called Leap into an Open Grave. I would love to actually find out, like, as an Easter egg, what, are, what is the actual recipe for this? It looks like she's dumping yeah, in. Yeah, like, we, we, we should figure that out. From I, I bet somebody out there could recognize the bottles. Probably, but it looks like out. she dumps, like, four or five different types of liquor bottles in, and then some kind of, like, yeah. fruit mixer, like an orange juice or pineapple juice, and then brings and she an, cracks egg an egg in. She cracks it. an egg into it and then blends it all. Um, yeah, yeah. And, I wonder what the actresses were really drinking, too. Right, right. Yeah, that would, and then the I China. mean, because they are pounding those drinks back during that scene. <laughs> yeah. And 
and and you know, I mean, you know, they're not drinking real alcohol, mm-hmm. and you know, they can't be drinking anything that's going to get them like real clogged up or unable to deliver their lines. Right. So, <laughs> I, I wonder what what it was. I really appreciate Shelley Long as slowly getting drunk in the scene. I think the, mm-hmm. the, the things she chooses to focus on, like the way she, uh, for lack of a better word, the way she loosens up. And just like how her shoulders kind of change and she's like kind of like cocking her head more to the side and everything. There's just a little bit more when she starts just kind of like babbling about how she's a people person, which by the end of the scene, she'll end up singing the song People Who Need People. Right, Um, right. Yeah. And I I love there was a great moment when when Carla first tells her that Sam is Gino's father, Mm -hmm. Diane takes a swig straight to the blender and. It, it was it was just a great physical bit of business. I've I've my opinion of like Shelley Long as Diane has really like elevated over the the rewatch I've been doing for these episodes. It's just like she has so many like nice little touches in her performance, and she's really good. And her like her initial disbelief when Carla tells her that humongous lie <laughs> is great, and and Rhea Perlman is also really great. Mm-hmm. In that scene, because she's playing it sincerely. You do not realize that Carla is putting Diane on until Carla just says to Sam, oh, yeah, so I just told her the biggest lie I could think of. <laughs> right. I mean, right. Rhea Perlman plays that scene utterly straight, and you you totally believe it as much as Diane does the first time you see that episode. Right, right. And it's an interesting because the way the story goes back, I mean, it's another callback. It's another reminder of Sam's drinking days. Uh, and that yes. he was an alcoholic and like every once in a while we kind of like we uh, you know like he'll only relapse I think once throughout the length of this whole series but we really like the the stories that they tell of about like when he was drinking like how destructive it could be at times you kind of wonder like if something like that could have happened if he could have had a one night stand with Carla that he didn't even remember and could have I mean we know how fertile she is throughout the series yeah. so it wouldn't have taken much to get her pregnant but well it's a it's a really plausible story because mm-hmm. it's a really detailed story yeah and, you know if you want to make your lies plausible you add a lot of details you add specific details and that makes it ring true mm-hmm. so uh yeah uh carl is obviously a good liar yeah yeah or or you know maybe there was a night that was like very close to that night and she's just sort of taking a left turn from reality like maybe she wishes something could have happened between her and sam because mm-hmm. we kind of know or we find out over the course of the series that carla does have a crush on sam that was like Rhea perlman's secret in playing the character was she i think she said she put it as you know she has a crush on sam not that she ever thinks that anything's really going to happen between her and Sam, but it's the sort of crush that just gets her through the day. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I've always kind of taken it that that Carla wants to be the most important woman in Sam's life, which is why she will tolerate and she'll accept his womanizing if she thinks it's just like women that don't mean anything to Sam. It's only right. when he gets serious about Diane or Rebecca that Carla gets a little bit more venomous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we see her mama bear come out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, you, you kind of like point out, but like the the kernel of truth about that story about how like she she explains it how you know Sam got really wasted after this party and she had to bring him home, she had to take him upstairs and everything and like undress him. Well, we see that play out because by the end of this night with her, Diane gets so drunk that she passes out, and mm-hmm. at the end after they've kind of resolved everything in the back office, she has to ask Sam. She's like, "How did I get home last night?" And he's like, oh, yeah, you yeah. don't remember? He's like, you know, Carla and I, we both took you home. And she's like, okay, thanks. She's like, so who 
who put my pajamas on? <laughs> He's like, you know, Carla did. She's like, oh yeah, yeah, you were, you'd already left. He's like, no, I was still there. <laughs> In the other room, trying yeah. on your lingerie. Trying <laughs> on your lingerie. And, yeah. and I love how, how Ted Danson plays it. He, he just, you know, he instantly figures out, you know, oh, I'm going to have a little fun with her, right. you know, because she doesn't know. And and he plays it. And you can really tell that that's one of those scenes where you can really tell that season one, Sam is definitely smarter than like the Sam we got later on in the series. Yeah. Yeah. You know, season one, Sam is kind of a sharp guy. He's not like a book smart guy necessarily. Right. So Diane might get a little beyond him, but, you know, right. he knows what's going on. He's yeah, a sharp he, guy. He's he, been running a bar for five years or whatever. And. You know, he he's nobody's fool. You know? Right, exactly. Yeah, he knows that he has this tiny little modicum of power over her, that mm-hmm. he knows something that she doesn't, and she really wants to know that, so he's going to have some fun with it. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's also some great physical bits of business when Diane passes out from the drink. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, the, the where, where Rhea Perlman just, like, quickly adjusts Diane when Sam walks back in unexpectedly. <laughs> yes. That was great. That was really funny. And and then when Sam uh, takes the unconscious Diane, just slings her over his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. And then he's and then they, they he walks up the stairs and then walks out the bar and he's coming like really close to hitting Shelley Long's head yeah. on a multitude of things. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I wonder how much they had to rehearse that or how nervous Shelley Long got. Because she just basically has to be there and be limp, and she has no control over what Ted Danson is doing. And <laughs> right, yeah, they came really close. Yeah, no, that was. I, I wonder if there were like some takes where you know she her head just gets bashed. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. Hopefully they did rehearse because that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For Shelley Long's sake, I hope I hope it wasn't too painful. <laughs> yeah. There's another Shelley Long moment that I really like her performance. It's when she and Carla are both alone for the first time, and she's like, let's have a drink or something. How about a bottle of wine? I think we have your favorite, mm-hmm. Chateau Guam. And you can see <laughs> she is so proud of this joke that she made. Like, she's, like, chuckling to herself and, like, tilting her head from side to side. Like, she's like, there's this little girl sense of glee about how funny that was, how much, like, mm-hmm. proud she is of that joke. I just like that sense of, like, her own kind of like pride and her own smugness there is really good. Yeah. I noticed that some of the jokes in this episode, they didn't get like a huge response from the audience. Mm. And I don't know if it was like, they just had a bum audience that day or if it's just cause it was still a very new show and maybe they didn't quite know what the deal was. I mean, there was, I mean, like there's some lines like Sam has a line early on saying something like, Oh, oh uh, the roller derby calls yeah. you were fighting so much. And it gets like no response at all, yeah. you know, and that's obviously like supposed to be a laugh line, but it's just nothing. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, come on, audience. That wasn't that wasn't a bad joke. You know, so, what? because of like, again, I, I keep coming back to the same thing of like that. The first act and everything, how how quiet and how isolated it feels just between these characters. This I mean, it's not a bottle episode because, you know, you're, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's hard to do that with a sitcom when you're all on the same set anyway. Well, and, I mean, and, pretty yeah. much every episode in the first season of Cheers is a bottle episode because I, I think they I never, read yeah, on – Yeah, they never leave uh, the bar in the first season. They never leave the bar the first season, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is an amazing amount of discipline. Yeah, and like the, mm-hmm. the different sets, you only get the main bar set, the pool room, the office, and mm-hmm. – the bathroom, I think, once maybe mm. there, there's like a scene in like the ladies' room. 
But beyond that, uh, yeah, it, it's really limited. But this does like it kind of feels like the type of episode where the studio said, or the network said we're going to trim your budget by half, make do <laughs> because yeah. like you look at it like Norm is barely in this. I actually come Norm only has seven lines in this episode, and they're like just wow. like clustered. Like three of them he delivers in the teaser when he's leaving with Coach. Uh, then yeah. he shows up. There's the typical afternoon. Everybody, Norm is like, "Mama's rich, and daddy's good, or daddy's rich and mama's good looking." And then a few minutes mm-hmm. later, he gets up and he says, "Yeah, it's like I I gotta go home for my anniversary." He's like, "We're getting pizza." Tenth something. anniversary, and his dinner is pizza. So they're going like, out for pizza, and he'll be he'll be coming back to Cheers around ten. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but that's it. Like it's almost like a glorified extra type of role or something. Like he's got like mm-hmm. nothing else mm-hmm. going on, and maybe they like you know scrimp money on like the studio audience. They only filled half. Yeah, you know, and it's it's interesting also, like, because because the whole show is confined to the bar. There was one shot in the second act that really stood out for me. It's because it's a shot you don't typically see on the show where it was they're they're shooting from the hallway into the pool room. Yes, I saw that. Uh, So it's so the camera is is like right around where the phones are, I guess. So and it's shooting, you know, up to the bar and then you can see the back end or the front entrance at the cheers. Mm hmm. It, it really struck me because it's not an angle you see on the show very much at all. Right. Um, but it it really makes the bar feel more real because you're seeing that angle that you don't typically see. It feels less like a set and more like a real place. Yeah. And every once in a while we'll get weird shots like that. And I wonder how much of that was James Burroughs just trying to be experimental and how much was like mm-hmm. coverage. Like if they were – if they didn't get a good shot of like the the scene or something from like the main cameras or something like that, and they had to like fill something else, but yeah, I don't know, I don't know, um, you know, because you you think well, like when you get into an angle like that, you'd probably have to you know bring in like a wall you you ordinarily don't see or something yeah. like that, yeah. you know, I think. I think I read that like when they were shooting in Sam's office, they'd have to like open up the set. Like the set was wild enough that they could do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, they didn't have all those rooms up the whole time. Cause like otherwise Sam's office would be blocked by that hallway in the bathrooms. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It'd be, it'd be interesting to have visited the set and see how it was all put together and see them swing it this way and that for the very scenes. Yeah. I mean, as much as I love that you're said, like every once in a while, I just kind of think I was like, this bar seems too big for, <laughs> for it, it seems too big for a bar that most of the time only has one functioning waitress. Yes. <laughs> I was like, yes. For, and, for a bar and, that and really only has bartending. two bartenders and one yeah. functioning waitress, because even when Diane is working there, most of the time she's not really working. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times she's just sitting at the corner of the bar reading yeah. a book or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, it has two waitresses on a good day, <laughs> yeah. and then after Diane leaves, they just get by with the one waitress. <laughs> right, right. Until, <laughs> until they really... bring in, like, yeah, until they bring in Woody's girlfriend Kelly for like one episode, uh, which is an episode I just I just watched in the <laughs> last day. I've been going on the weekend we're recording this. I was going yeah. going on a big Cheers binge, yeah. and that was an episode I watched a little while ago. That's good. Good. Can't wait for those episodes. But um... yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, we get, uh, we get some more information about some of the characters, as you said, we get some background, uh, just kind of filling in some of the character biographies, uh, mm-hmm. as it is revealed, uh, Sam and Carla have known each other for five years, which is about the time that he bought Cheers. So presumably yep. she was probably already working there. He bought the bar and she came along with it. Um, mm-hmm. at this point we know she has four kids. Gino being the youngest is seven and a half. 
which kind of surprised me because I thought they were a little bit more closer in age. And then I remembered we actually do meet Gino later on in the series. He becomes a, yeah. a recurring character, and I, I really like that character when we you, see him. You actually see like all of Carla's kids at one point or another. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and of course she's she, they haven't established it yet in this episode, but you know Carla gets pregnant again over the course of the first season mm-hmm. and uh, has the baby like early in the second year. So she's a fertile one, that Carla. <laughs> she, she is, and that becomes the running joke too. Uh, the, Gino is actually the second of her children to be named at this point in the mm-hmm. show. We've only heard Serafina and Gino. Very uh, Italian, Italian names. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, thinking about the very end is sort of like the punchline where she shows the picture of Gino and that brings Sam and Diane to fits of laughter. And then mm-hmm. even topping that, she shows the picture of what Gino's dad looks like and that almost brings the roof down. Right. Like, they couldn't have known at the time, and we won't see him until season two, but the kid's father, Nick, played by Dan Hedea, I don't know if there was any possible better casting than that. If you want somebody who you just like look at and you almost don't believe you're looking at a human specimen, it's Dan <laughs> Hedea. I think the only other person I could possibly see as Nick would be Danny DeVito. But that would have been I interesting. They- yeah. I think they consciously decided against that because they'd already done, you know, stuff with Danny with taxi, and, and Rhea yeah. Perlman on Taxi. Yeah. So they, they might have thought they'd been uh, repeating themselves too much. But I found it really interesting that Carla, after their divorce, she's apparently still carries a picture of Nick around in her wallet. And I, and I know that was just for the convenience of the gag. Right. But it's, you know, on, on a show like this where we overanalyze everything, you think like, well, what does that mean? Does that mean, you know, she's still carrying a bit of a torch for Nick? Well, so. you know, and again, that's going to be something that will kind of develop and you could call it a little bit of a retcon is her disgust and how much she seems, how much she claims to hate Nick in later mm-hmm. seasons. But yeah, as far back as the very first episode, she kind of sort of jokes that she still has a relationship because she said she was hustling drinks in order to put Nick through the Coletti Academy of TV repair. And she says, hey, mm-hmm. he still fixes my set and only bills me for parts. So, <laughs> that, you know, that could yep. be a joke, but it sounds like she's still in communication with Nick at least. And and we do see that even when he does come back, she has a blind spot for him. Uh, and we will see yeah, that play yeah. out. Yeah. Because because Nick has apparently has this sexual magnetism that no <laughs> woman can resist. Right. Um, and and well, I mean, you find out that I think it's the kid that that Carla has in the first season. You find out later on that Nick was actually that kid's father too. Mm-hmm. So they hooked up after their divorce. Um, so yeah, so there is something going on there still. Yeah. Um, even if it's not on a steady basis, but yeah. yeah. So I think Nick is, or excuse me, Carla is not. Entirely over Nick, uh, <laughs> despite what she may say most of the time. Spo- spoiling an even very later episode in in the final season, there's a moment. I think it. I think it's during Serafina's wedding when Nick wants mm-hmm. to be there and Carla doesn't want him there. And she there's like a group of like Tortelli family and extended family, like cousins and everything. And she just walks him over. She's like, "Here we have several Tortelli children. It's like some of the or like several like family children. Some of these kids are yours. Identify <laughs> three of them, and you can stay." Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and there's a there's a great moment there. I think like he picks out one. He's like Hugo, my beloved, and it's like Hugo. That's not your kid. And Fraser's like, I thought he was right. <laughs> so, uh, in terms of in terms of other characters, I mean, I mentioned that 
uh, Norm really has almost no presence in this. He gets his little, you know, entry bit and then, you know, a joke about his anniversary and then he's, he's gone. Conversely, he doesn't mm-hmm. say a whole lot, but I felt like Cliff's presence was really felt in this. Um, because Cliff yeah. is just sitting there, all, actually in Norm's chair, that corner chair that becomes identified as Norm's chair. Cliff is sitting there watching Diane and Carla go at it the second time, and he picks mm-hmm. up. He's like, this is going to turn ugly. He runs to the office to get Sam, and he knocks on the yeah. door. And when Sam comes out to separate them, Cliff, he like calls out that he's a like, Cliff grabber, and Cliff helps get the two women with Sam back into the office, and then like they shut the door, and he's like, yeah, women fighting is very unladylike. Unless they're yeah, rolling yeah. around in mud pits. <laughs> uh, I also like, you know, right after he shut the door, he was like, uh, yeah, Sam could handle that. <laughs> yeah, <he's> got- <laughs> um, he just, he, he got Diane into the office. That's all he needed to yeah, do. Exactly. Um, he, he also had a nice bit of uh, business uh, where, where he's sitting in Norm's uh, stool and Diane like comes up right by him. And, and you just see Cliff like reacting to what Diane is saying. I forget exactly what she was saying, but you know, he had some great facial expressions <laughs> there. You know, he was, he was given uh, Shelly Long some really nice support. Yeah. You really see why they, they made John Ratzenberger a regular. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good, obvious, and he's yeah, because there's there like other there's like a, another character, like a guest character. Uh, Jack Knight is the actor uh, who has a line in the teaser. He's in like seven or eight episodes in the first season, and then just disappears. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it does. And, and one of my other guests kind of mentioned it. They, they, it feels like they try out some other like tertiary bar members and like people around the sides just to see oh. who kind of makes a lasting impression. And it's, it's amazing how many of the, the various bar flies you see recur mm-hmm. over the course of the series. And it really helps it feel like more of a, a real place, a real bar yep. with regulars or semi-regulars. Yeah. I yeah. mean, they may not be there as often as, as Norman Cliff are. But, you know, these are guys who come in at least a couple times a week mm-hmm. and, and they're hanging out and, and you see these guys and sometimes they get lines and sometimes sometimes they, they get like jokes. Sometimes they're, they're giving them punchlines and stuff. <laughs> they were pretty generous with their their recurring regulars. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, they always were, including like giving even like guest stars who'd never show up. Some of them get the best lines in the episode. We'll see from sometime. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, like I said, and this is maybe telegraphing one of our later categories, but this episode, it felt pretty, it it felt short, it felt pretty simple, it was fairly confined, but I really liked this episode, and it kind of surprised me, because I think for the first time, they really hit the right note with Carla, Um, Mm -hmm. and and we're going to see more of that play out throughout the season, but I felt like for the first time, this is the Carla that we're, we should be seeing, and I liked her chemistry with Sam, with Diane, with everything. And so, yeah, it was just an mm-hmm. enjoyable little episode, and I liked I liked the back and forth, the way the way uh, Diane like throws throws down with Carla once she feels like she's been betrayed. When she's like, "How's your lying rotten little mouth?" Um, yeah, just some of the bar. Okay. And the good. turn is so great. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Shelley Long. She just goes from like zero to sixty yeah. in a second. <laughs> you know, she like she she has a lot of mood swings in this episode. Yeah, she has know. like a lot of high and low notes to hit. Yeah, and from, from uh, and she hits them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, that's but that's pretty much all the notes I have for this episode until we get into some of my favorite moments. So, did you have anything else you wanted to mention? 
I, I think that covers uh, most everything uh, I wanted to say. So if we want to roll on to your regular categories, we can do that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, really quick, I mean, I mentioned he doesn't do much. But for Norm's tab, I'm going to say he had two beers because he's he's nursing one in the teaser when he volunteers to leave so that coach can give him a ride. Uh, and then when he shows up very briefly, he drinks one and then leaves to go for his anniversary pizza. Uh, so he's got two beers this episode, which brings him up to 28 for the series on his tab. Uh, 28 episodes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then for the employee of the week, I mean, I've already mentioned, I, I really, I, I mean, I could say endless things about Shelley Long's performance. I could talk about that. But just because I haven't mentioned her yet, I've got to say, I think Carla was the standout of this episode for me because I mm-hmm. wasn't expecting it so much. And I really think she was funny. She was cynical. She was sarcastic. But she didn't, she didn't overplay it. It wasn't like she was like jumping on a guy and like bashing his head into the bar. So Carla for me is the employee of the week. But Diane is, as always, is a nice runner up. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with the opposite of, of your pick. Um, I'm, I'm going to give the episode to Diane. Not that Rhea Perlman wasn't great in the episode. I think she was, she's wonderful, particularly in that scene where she's telling the lie to Diane and saying that Sam is the father of Gino. But I think uh, Shelley Long's reactions are really great. I love, I, I, I mentioned most of this stuff before, but like the swig from the blender, the disbelief at Carla's story and all the physical bits of business, like when Diane passes out into Carla's arms and when Carla puts her props her up in the bar and when she's being carried around. And and Diane just has so many uh, bits where her emotions turn on a dime. It's it's really something to see. So I think it, it was really a, a tour de force performance from Shelley Long in this episode. Yeah. Uh, and I I agree, and it would be easy to just swap them because I think she yeah. she did such a good job. I I almost think just because I haven't recognized Carla so much that she stood out so much more mm-hmm. for me. But yeah, I mean Diane, she's so good in this that yeah, I have no I have no trouble yeah. understanding your pick for that. But so. uh, but uh, it's really like both of their episodes. Yeah, you know. Yeah, so uh, I mean, it it could I could go for either one yeah. as well. Yeah. So you know, but but you know, you went for Carla, I went for Diane. That seems very fair. Yeah. Uh, as for the home run, what was the funniest or best gag or, or extended sequence in this one? Um, I've got a couple, and we haven't really mentioned them, but what did you think? What was your favorite? For me, I think it's got to be uh, a bit with Coach. Yeah. <laughs> where, where where Diane is talking to Coach, and she's like, Coach, what do you do when you're just so angry you don't you don't know what to do? And he says, well, this might sound silly, but I hit my head on the bar. And she says, no, I don't think that sounds silly. I think I think that's exactly what I need. And he goes, OK, if you say so. And then coach starts hitting his head on the bar. And it's just, I mean, it's so coach. It's so wonderfully guileless. Um, you know, I think it's weird that they didn't put in any sort of sound effect when he's hitting his head on the bar. Yeah. <laughs> you think they dub something in. But uh, but, it, you know, that's, I think, one of the biggest laughs in the episode. And yeah. so that for me, that that would be the the, the home run bet. I I like that one a lot, and I actually I really like the moment. It's it's like followed that when she like gets him to stop. He puts his hand on her her face, like he's like, is, "Are you feeling better?" And she's like, "Yes, yes, <laughs> thank you." She's like, "How are you feeling?" And he kind of he has this thing. He's like, "Well, you know, for me, it's like a little real picker upper." And he kind of like gets him like this. <laughs> yeah. thing. He's like, "Like that's an energy boost for him. That helps him get through the day." 
Yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, yeah, yeah, that was, that was probably my number one. And then just a few runner-ups that I had. I I really like when Sam comes back after Diane has passed out, um, and he's just mm-hmm. talking to Carla, and he sees her, and he's like, "Oh my God, Carly, you killed her!" And he's, <laughs> yes. he's like, and he runs up to her, and she's like, "No, I just made a drink." And I love the fact that Sam recognizes what he did. He's like, "Oh, Carly, you made her an open grave." Like he knows oh, yes. exactly. Yes, he's, that's- he's seen the signs. He knows what happened. And that's that's a great bit, mm-hmm. and yeah, and it, it 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 gives you like a little more of the history between uh, Sam and Carla. That's that's a big reason why I like this episode. Was mm-hmm. I, I like the character heavy episodes, and I also like episodes that get into the backstories yeah. and you find out you know who these people are and where they they came from. I think I mentioned in the last episode I did that I was uh, working on like a Cheers chronology, like a Cheers and Frasier chronology. And that was why I was rewatching so many episodes this mm-hmm. weekend. Was I was getting like certain bits in there. And the chronology of the show like holds up pretty, pretty well. They didn't screw it up very much at all. So I'll have to send you a copy of that so you can take a look at it and yeah, tell me what you I'd, think. I'd like to take a look at that because the one, the one thing it seems that I'm a little iffy on is exactly when Sam's baseball career ended. Because mm-hmm. sometimes it sounds like like he has like a line I think later on in this season when it sounds like his career ended before the Red Sox won the pennant, which I think is in 1976. But in mm-hmm. in season two, Sam and Diane meet Dick Cavett, and Sam kind of mm-hmm. mentions almost jokingly that he was on the team in '76, but he was so drunk he doesn't remember anything about that year. So. Yeah. I think I had it at 1977. Yeah, that sounds like, a the bit. Show starts in, yeah, the show starts in 82. And I think like some early episode says that like he, he quit drinking five years ago. So I think he quit drinking three years ago, but he's had the bar yeah. for five years. Actually, you're right. Yes, he, he, he says he's been out of baseball for five years. I have him buying the bar in 76. Uh, so he retires in the major leagues in 77. And then he quits drinking... In 79. Yeah, because yeah. he says, he, he says, I haven't touched a drop in three years in, in the pilot. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so, but that all, that all pretty much jibes with mm-hmm. what we find out. And yeah, uh, the Red Sox, they went to the, the, the World Series in 1975. I've, to do this, I've been looking up a lot of sports trivia. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not a sports person at all. But, you know, occasionally they'll have like sports references. You know, they'll mention like, oh, the Cowboys, you know, went up against the, the Redskins this week. And so I'm like, I, I find myself like looking this stuff up on Wikipedia to find out like, well, did they really play around the, the, the air date <laughs> of this episode? And you have to like fudge a lot of that stuff a bit. But right. uh, <laughs> but overall, the, the, the chronology of the show, the chronology of the characters holds up pretty well. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. Well, we'll 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 consult that a little bit more as we go through the show. Um, John, thank you again for being my guest on this episode. Where else can people find you if they want to read more from you or hear more from you? Well, you mentioned at the top of the show, I write for uh, the website uh, Atomic Junk Shop, um, and that's at atomicjunkshop.com. Um, so you can find me. I, I write something on there whenever I have the time. And I also write for Back Issue Magazine from Tomorrow's. And uh, I, you said this episode will be coming out sometime in October, so I could plug um, uh, back issue 108, which is all about Aquaman. That'll be coming out in anticipation of the movie. 
Um, and I wrote an, a big article in there about Aquaman, uh, the post-crisis Aquaman. So about 15 years worth of Aquaman history. And then the issue after that, uh, 109, is all about Superman the movie celebrating its 40th anniversary. And I wrote a big article in there about uh, the influence Superman the movie had on the comics. So if you're into that sort of thing, that might be the sort of thing that you like. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you very much once again for being on the show. Listeners, as always, thank you very much for tuning in. You can support the show on Facebook and Twitter. You can leave a comment on the website post at fireandwaterpodcast.com. And until next episode, we're closed. when you are so furious that you have to do something. Well, I know you think it's kind of crazy, but I, uh, I banged my head on the bar. <laughs> Sound crazy to me. It might do me a lot of good right now. Well, okay. <laughs> Stop it, please. Do you feel better? Yes. Thank you. How about you? Well, I feel fine. I mean, to me, it's kind of a, you know, a pick-a-rubber. <laughs>